0: Welcome to the Fintech and Digital Banking Podcast by BCG Platinian. Your hosts are Annika Melchert and Nora Hocker. Join them as they talk to hand-picked fintech experts about the future of banking.
1: Hello and welcome back, my dear fintech and digital banking enthusiasts. We are Nora and Annika. Hi, guys. Today, we have the CTO of a company that you might have heard of as they have just undergone a major rebranding. Okay, no, it's not Facebook or how they call themselves now, Meta. Now it's way cooler. And not just because Estonia is typically a bit colder than California. So let's welcome Ove Kreyson from Toom, formerly known as Modular Bank, a next-gen
0: core banking platform provider. Hi. Hi, Ove. So cool having you here today. We all know that Estonia is one of the major tech hubs worldwide. So basically everything we currently see in the news when it comes to quantum computing, cyber security innovations and so on, feels like everything comes from, from Tallinn or Estonia in general. So let's see how this also impacts banking now.
2: Thanks for having me here because we have already been working quite a bit in the German market, in the Nordic market, as well as in the UK market.
1: Over a first question, so as your business model is, is maybe not so familiar to, yeah, a normal banking consumer out there, how would you explain your business model to your grandparents?
2: Firstly, I would say that what does Doom do is that Doom helps banks to stay in banking in the current age when there are a lot of digital companies out there that who also want to establish the financial services businesses, and in like simplistic terms that why Doom is used is that uh, different financial institutions either incumbent banks or newcomers in the market they, they use Doom to offer different retail and, uh, and corporate banking solutions for their customers so that for example that when you log into your internet bank and your bank is using Doom then this is where your account is managed, where your money is held, how you do payments, where you get the loans so this is all technically managed by Doom. The bank provides the money and the license and all of the user experience around it.
1: So you've recently rebranded from Modular Bank, as as you called yourself uh, previously, to TUM. Why that?
2: One big thing was that the name bank, that the bank in a lot of countries implies that it's a regulated financial institution. But on the other hand, we are not. We are purely a technology platform. And and this caused a lot of confusion, and uh, and we had also like a lot of people coming to us that hey can you sub license your license can I can I register an account in Modular Bank uh, that that sort of thing mm-hmm. and we thought also that let's skip the confusion because I think also like when we were discussing with uh, some of our potential customers that uh, that hey that can we collaborate can like. Modular bank solve some of your issues. They were like, oh, but I'm I don't want to work with another bank. I am <laughs> trying to solve these things. And then there was a lot of like explanation work. And, and based on that, we decided that, okay, that it's that it causes so much confusion. Let's rebrand. That let's find a new name that suits us and works for us. And the name doom itself, it's an Estonian word, and it means core, and and it means the sort of the Heart of things like uh, there is uh, the ATOM score or the bank score, then uh, this is TUM in Estonian. So that it's a uh, and it seemed like a nice name for an Estonian company that offers core banking services.
0: Over, you also co founded TUM back then already as a CTO. What would you consider as your key learnings in this role?
2: Key, key learnings have been definitely that uh, from my end, is that uh, since, since my background is mainly on, on sort of consultancy. Uh, that uh, prior I didn't have any proper product experience. Key experience is also that how do you sort of navigate between, let's say, sort of customer requirements and actually your vision and roadmap what you want to do so so this is sort of has been like well let's say hard learning for myself but <laughs>
1: you mean wh- why don't the customers understand what's best for them <laughs> yes exactly
2: that why don't they understand <laughs> why, why, and, and why don't they understand that they are using a product and it's not like that we will just do a tailor-made suit for them <laughs> this this has been one of the key learnings but i think this has sort of well we have learned to explain ourselves better and uh, and also the organization is managed in a in a a better manner key learning is also like that coming from let's say consultancy that where you did projects and of course you thought about the future and so on but quite often you know that you at one point like handed the solution over and that was done and maybe you had some maintenance maybe not but in here like sort of the decisions that you make like today these things can really have an impact you on let's say end of next year for example so so, so, th- so this was this was something that uh, that you can't take, let's say, sort of technology decisions very lightly. I think this would be uh, the main main learning. Experience.
0: That's interesting to know. So, you managed to triple your sales in 2021 compared to well, I assume your key competitors like Solaris Bank, Mambu, or Thought Machine. What is your key difference between Tomb and, and those already mentioned?
2: Uh, well, I would say that they are we are all different. In, in very different areas, that, for example, Solaris Bank is, is a bank, actually, that offers both the technology, the licensing, the balance sheet. Mambo, on the other hand, is a sort of SaaS-based core banking market maker that, uh, that offers like both the Mambo product. And uh, ecosystem and Thought Machine on the other hand, is a sort of like a development kit or like a product builder and software development kit that banks could use to build up like different products and, and different capabilities. Toom is a sort of uh, middleman. Toom is definitely not Solaris Bank. We are, we are purely a tech company. We don't have a license, nor, nor we are offering finances of our own. But what we do is that we offer an API-first uh, SaaS for banking platform. Compared to Mambo, we have let's say wider range of services. What do we offer directly? That we offer core banking. We have card issuing, payments, lending, collaterals, finances, accounting, debt management, CRMs, you know, reporting, and and of course, what is a major differentiator is that we are a cloud agnostic in that sense. That and on the Thought Machine, also that we are more into that that the users directly have like. A direct user interface they can do things so that we don't offer like just a pure like development kit that that you can use to build up your entire infrastructure and as you already mentioned Solaris Bank then uh, similarly we are helping companies like Solaris Bank actually to offer their services so that even with some customers we are sort of a platform of a platform
1: so that sounds to me a bit like compared to Solaris bank for example they came from from the thought of offering fintechs or startups an easy to solution or a platform to start with whereas you would rather target established banks right who already have the license who already have the the processes in place but need a a modern tech stack for it
2: in that sense, you are correct. What I would like to add is also that it doesn't have to be an established institution. It can be also somebody who has applied for a license and gotten a license, but needs like technical capabilities to actually offer the services. And this is also a similar thing that we see in our customer portfolio, that of course, we have very old and established banks as customers, but also we have like newcomers who are just starting. Some of them haven't even launched yet.
0: Oh, we will already see some, some tomb-based banks in the future cool to know you already mentioned that you're cloud agnostic and are built on an api first approach what are the parts of the tech stack to miss build on i think you one of your marketing slogans is the modular platform for seamless banking so is your microservices is also a thing when deep diving into your technology stack
2: exactly so that microservices are the sort of keystone of the tool but uh, getting to the tech stack then what we like like to call ourselves internally, is that we are using a modern enterprise tech stack, which mainly means that we are using Java 17, we are using Spring, React, Kubernetes, Postgres databases, RabbitMQ for messaging, and for our managed services, we are using AWS, but uh, we have similar Kubernetes-based deployment, which we can set up in every cloud provider or also on-premise.
0: That's good. So Customers can use you on on every possible cloud platform, depending on what they prefer.
2: Exactly.
1: Do you also offer this as, so so is it a a software you provide to your customers or is it a a managed service or like a platform as a
2: service? In case of these uh, AWS customers, then we are offering it as a managed service. So that we take care of pretty much everything. If it's like on-premise then it's uh, or some other cloud provider, then it's mainly only the software.
1: So as the customer
0: demands, basically.
2: (laughs) Yeah, as the customer demands and also in some cases, what makes sense to us more (laughs) business-wise.
0: So for some customers, I think not only in Germany, also in other places in the world, there is not yet a cloud strategy for the core banking system. Is it also possible to then deploy Toom um,
2: on premise? Yes, Toom can be deployed on premise and we have a couple of customers who are actually running on premise.
1: So if I wanted to to implement Toom, would you also help me building it?
2: We are we are helping in a manner that that we provide like all the necessary documentation and the key parts. And we have our own implementation and customer success teams who help our customers to get things up and running and help with the configuration and these parts. We are not very keen on doing any sorts of customizations or things like that because that's just hard to maintain afterwards.
1: But your system would be open for it. So so could the customers or could, could your clients take the TUM platform forward in, in a way that's suitable for them?
2: Normally, what the customers do is that they either collaborate existing like system integrators in the market or use their own development teams and they use the Doom APIs as their basis and then build something on top of these APIs either in the mill, millware or some other services so that they accommodate things that are like very specific to them of course we from our end provide a lot of like configuration opportunities so that to to accommodate these things when the customer wants something very specific then there are like sort of workarounds on the platform that they can configure and use starting from let's say custom fields and managing their let's say document templates and that sort of thing so that this, this is configurable already on the tune level
1: I've read that you have a, like a workflow platform for that. Is that correct?
2: Uh, yes, we are actually using an open source Camunda workflow engine.
1: Ah, oh, I've, I've worked with that before. <laughs> I'd also like to learn a bit more about your your offering, basically. And, and one thing that differentiates you, as I understand, is that you offer not only retail banking, which kind of everyone does, but you also have corporate and business banking, What are the implications that offering such a product has on your technology? What are the key challenges you have there?
2: Uh, Yes. So the corporate and business banking is something that is quite new to us and something that we are currently working on so that we we support certain type of products already on that side. And we are now like uh, this year is mainly focused on building up like a full scale corporate uh, banking offering. What I can say about key challenges is that definitely needed and still needs quite a bit of refactoring of the solution. Mainly, what the sort of changes are that the corporate banking and business banking brings is that there is everything is so multidimensional that uh, that like if you have a retail, let's say, offering, you have like an account. Account has some sort of pricing. Then there is another account. That sort of thing. Uh, in case of like corporate banking, there is like a large account structure. Usually everything is connected to each other. Pricing ex- is extremely complex that based on the usage and how these accounts, for example, uh, collaborate with each other. Similarly is in the other spaces like lending and credit domains that you have, uh, the product setups are much more complex compared to like retail business. What it also means is that it also has an impact on the sort of When I prior mentioned the configurability, then this is something that is very relevant in here because still the aim is that the customer can configure things, which means that there is an enormous UX impact on that because, well, they need to understand how things are configured. Otherwise, it doesn't make sense. Uh, Also, on the other side, there is, of course, the sort of what is on the pure technical level that you have, for example, that when you have like a retail business, then well, usually most, most of the level is that you have certain times when there are, let's say, card transactions, You usually like in the morning, in the lunchtime and in the evening, uh, similarly as with payments. Then the corporate side, this changes quite a bit. There are like salary payments. There are enormous volume peaks coming at certain timeframes. How you internally process things must must be a bit different because you can, for example, that there is not like that you process payments Payment by payment, at the time, but you have like enormous patch coming in directly and you need to quickly process it through. Plus, well, bringing out like the, let's say, the dirty word in banking is, of course, regulation. And this means that all sorts of reporting requirements, that all these already mentioned dimensions, they, they have to be reflected on the reporting level as well. So that there is, I would say that there are a lot of challenges in all areas. But on the other hand, what we have found out is that uh, when we went through it of uh, business and corporate banking, we also saw that uh, there is also a major improvement in our retail offering due to that, because similar principles can apply it in the retail space as well. For example, like pricing schemas that our customers now can offer, like very extensive pricing logic also in the retail space, which is only restricted to some certain volume based pricing or or just like transaction level pricing that, that you can have like all sorts of combinations. And this means also that, that our customers can come up with like pricing schemes that are equal to, let's say, corporate banking and, and offer it to the retail customers.
1: What I always find is that with a lot of, of systems, in the end, it's about balancing complexity and efficiency or simplicity. And the way I understand also your your development right now is that with the corporate offering, you have to reflect a lot of complexity in your system as well. So my question is, how do you avoid becoming, let's say, like like all the, the core banking system providers who have these huge systems that reflects all the complexity, but they're not simple to use anymore?
2: I would say that there are like sort of multiple dimensions in this question. That One is the sort of architectural level. How do you split things up? But luckily for our case, we are anyway microservices based and using domain-driven design. So it's quite easy for us to actually split components and build new services and keep them like small and manageable enough or split them into libraries and other ways how they can be internally split up. But the key thing here is also the sort of user side that at the end, whoever is working with Doom in the banks or fintechs, back office or operation space, it has to be clear for them that they can use it. They are able to configure it and it should be automated enough to uh, that it would be easy enough to actually do some changes to that. Of course, we have gone through all the similar routes like most other companies that initially you just build, build, build. And then you see that the complexity is constantly raising. And at one point, when you sort of look at your UI, then you think, okay, this is getting out of hand already. And now we are also like from our end, since when we went to the corporate side, we directly took the approach that now let's also bring more focus to UX, to designers, to front-end development in general, so that what we do would be understandable to the users as well. Because in our case, it's very vital because this helps us in a manner that our customers can serve themselves and that means that there are less questions coming to us, the implementation projects are quicker and therefore the customer success rate is even higher.
0: Uh, talking about customer success rate, what's the current growth ambition for Tu? I mean, you started in Estonia some years ago, now you already have an office in Berlin in Germany, so what's next?
2: Well, we are just in the process of opening up offices in Malaga, Spain and London so that as we speak. And, and what is uh, for Doom to come is that most likely a lot of the listeners have seen also in the news that Doom raised Series A in December. And what this means is, of course, that there is a rapid expansion plan that offer, opening up the sales and partnership lines in Malaga and London. Also including like almost doubling product and engineering teams that we have in place, also putting more effort into customer success, marketing, all other roles that are related to company. Also, of course, more people means more HR responsibilities. So that I would say the doom is growing in pretty much all angles. And of course, the big thing is to double or even triple the, the revenues and customer portfolio.
0: Oh, this sounds really ambitious. It is. <laughs> Maybe one personal question here, since I just moved to Dubai. Can we also expect you in the Middle East soon?
2: With the Middle East, uh, we have already had uh, certain, let's say, touch points and, and certain engagements. It's, it's a bit early to announce something yet uh, on this side, but we are working with uh, already uh, behind the scenes with uh, with some of the, let's say, organizations there. I can't say that we have a direct like Middle East strategy in place. But obviously it's quite a hot market and definitely there is potential to become like a new fintech hotbed so that we are looking forward to seeing also some potential customers in that area.
1: From a technical perspective, how much of a challenge is it to expand TUM to, to other countries? Are there a lot of, let's say, regional requirements that your system has to meet and that, that require yeah
0: e- extensions or so? That's a good question, especially keeping in mind that the cloud regulations are not always as far as they are, for instance, in Estonia.
2: Yeah, that's a very good question, and and actually that is something that we see in like sort of in every country we operate. That you don't even actually have to go outside of Europe to spot the differences in regulations and what is expected from us by our customers. Uh, what we try to do is that, of course, that since product is also constantly going through like an evolution, that uh, that there is always like a next step where the product is heading and we are heading, adding like always more and more configurability and trying to mitigate certain things that uh, that let's say when you use our like Toom's product configuration forms, you see that, okay, I'm using one country. I want to add product there. There are like some necessary fields that are relevant in this space and, and that sort of things. These are of course the main things that we see and we try to accommodate because that told that you have to gather data in order to actually fill the regulatory reporting side of the operations. Luckily in our case is that that we don't have any like customer facing channels or that sort of thing, so that we don't have to care too much about like that how different, let's say in different countries, what is the expected user experience and how how end user wants to interact with the system. So that's actually a good thing for us. It keeps things more standardized. But what is the main difference is, of course, that especially if you move outside of the Eurozone is that different payments, different clearing houses, And this is something that we are always seeking, that where do we find partners and who would be a good partner who can serve us in multiple regions at the same time?
1: Yeah, different payment networks.
2: Exactly.
0: We're talking about whom? One slogan we often hear is next generation co-banking platform. So over... If you need to give me a one-minute pitch on what characterizes the next generation of co-banking platforms, what would you say then? What are the key principles we need to, we need to know about
2: this year? Definitely API-based, modular, uh, compared to the existing monoliths. that customers must have the right to choose what sort of functionality they want to use. Scalability, as our customers are also having a lot of pension plans, robustness and error tolerance in general. I would say the UX side, what we already briefly discussed prior that, uh, that the end user must be able to, to use the platform and configure it and use it in daily banking operations. I think one key aspect is also that, that it needs to be sort of easy to start with so that there is some sort of base configuration, template processes, things like that, that are ready, but you have the option to configure things. So that if you're like a newcomer of fintech you simply want to launch a business, then you have everything out there ready. But if you're like a very established organization, you know very well what your customers want and what you want to do, then you have the option to actually fine tune and tweak the platform so that it will accommodate your needs.
0: You mentioned API first as basically the first characteristic we need here. What's your observation when talking
2: to incumbents here? Incumbents are also, I would say, looking a lot on these APIs because for them, it's actually even more relevant because what they are using, they have like, well, if you talk about like real incumbent, there are mainframes, most likely multiple mainframes, then some sort of intermediary stack from 90s, for example, with potentially web services, potentially something else in between. Uh, Sometimes
0: it's not even the 90s. Um, Yes. can can even be the 80s yeah well mainframes
2: start even from the 60s and 70s <laughs> and then then <laughs> you sort of build this legacy on top of legacy pretty much over over the decades and for them it's actually if you talk with some of the incumbents they, they have like serious issues with that. let's say if you talk about lending market a lot of the market is also focused on let's say brokerages offering loans through brokers also now when we see like the age of buy now pay later you actually should give out the option of the sort of loan or or payment plan like on the e-commerce side and if your technology doesn't support that you are actually cutting out a large part of potential business and and therefore if I see like the RFPs that the incumbent banks are having then this sort of API first is like more and more relevant for them because well newcomers anyway build new systems and they are just taking what what is modern out there
1: Coming a bit back from the legacy, (laughs) looking more into the future of technology, you you just mentioned a few technologies already in what characterizes a next-gen core banking platform. However, I'd like to know if you had to bet on one technology, let's say maybe for for the next five years, put all your money in, which one would it be?
2: That's a very interesting question. I can't say that I take that sort of risks usually. <laughs> My job doesn't allow that sort of thing <laughs> to, to put all money in in one place. I think that the, the, the technologies that I mentioned, like the APIs and the cloud and so on, they are like sort of well established already. That yeah, there is like sort of they are more and more used, but technology-wise, so that's more not...
1: like the MSCI world equivalent. Yeah. What,
2: <laughs> what currently interests me, like sort of on a maybe a more like a personal level, but definitely looking at, uh, at from Doom's perspective as well, is I definitely see a lot of potential in Web three and crypto. I also see a lot of potential in quantum computing because that can turn the entire picture around if it succeeds. Plus, of course, also sorts of like AI technologies. But looking at the current market, uh, I would say that like sort of Web3 is the sort of maybe maybe even a good way to go because it's a lot of money and investments there. From Doom's perspective also, we we are like sort of thinking about how this could benefit us and and what will be the options? So maybe maybe I would put my bet there currently.
1: <laughs> Can you already spoil what is to come from Tomb in that area?
2: Specifically in Web three, I think there is uh, this are sort of like early early stages that we are thinking about areas that we see that could be relevant for us. Is that obviously Web three offers a lot of a uh, lot of opportunities. But like a classical point of view, what we see is that well, we offer the retail and corporate banking. I, I guess the new normality is that people also have like crypto wallets and crypto as part of their like funds that they want to use, which means that I sort of want to see an aggregation of everything that if I want, like, that, I don't want my regular bank account, I also want, want to see my crypto balances. So that we are thinking in that line, that how we could include this into our offering.
1: I'd love to have that.
2: I think one one thing is that, That I want to sort of say to keep the interest is that there are a lot of interesting customer wins coming that we have not yet publicly announced, but they will be announced in March and April. So that by the time the show airs, there will be, well, quite a bit of news headlines that who Toom has partnered up with.
1: And I'm very much looking forward uh, to Toom bringing that up. We're already at the end of this episode, Over. So thank you very much, Over, for
0: being our guest today.
2: Thank you for inviting. It was a very nice conversation.
0: Thank you. Owe. Looking looking forward to see you also across Europe and maybe then also later in the Middle East area at some of our clients. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to the FinTech and Digital Banking Podcast by BCG Platinian. BCG Platinian, your experts on IT strategy, modern technology architecture, and state-of-the-art banking the digital future is now for more information check bcgplatinian.com